Welcome back to our online church. So good to be with you, all of you, on this virtual service. But I would like to move forward in our planning. And so the announcement that we announced earlier, I will make the same announcement again because I know many of you have just joined us, and that is that we are planning for the resumption of physical service. But to get there, I will need your help. I need to know how many of you wants to come back to church for the physical service. As you understand from my announcement last week that we can only house about 30 at maximum. And after my announcement last week, I only had about four registrations. So, so far in my mind, I am planning for four people who wants to come back. So today, I'm going to make the announcement that if you are interested in coming back together physically for service, please either email the church email that you receive um, from our bulletins, email me personally, you can message the church number, or you can message me personally to let me know of your intention to come when we do resume our physical service. And I also need your help, which some of you are already doing, and I thank you for that, is that there are some of our folks in ASDAQ who are not online. They're not connected through Facebook or whatever gadgets that we have or whatever software or app that we have. And so they've not been able to access our virtual church for about six months. Some of you have gone beyond your basic need and you've gone to like bring over internet, bring over your computers to houses or places of people who don't have access and help them come online. Thank you so much. But I need to know who these people are. I have a few names, but if you are helping somebody get online week after week and you know that they will benefit from coming to church physically, please register their interest on their behalf um, to the church so that I know who, who's out there. All right, so I would know who's out there and I'll know the number of people that I can prepare for because it's going to make it uh, complicated on how things work in, uh, during our live stream when we have um, congregation here. So do let me know. Um, by next Sabbath, I'll let you know how many have registered. If you can, register today. And uh, if not, give them a call. Find out, call around to see if either your, your grandparents, your parents, yourself, your friends, your neighbors, somebody that you know who have not been able to join us virtually Sabbath after Sabbath. Let me know how many of them there are and so I can prepare for that. So on that note, I would like to let you know that I am meeting with the government agencies this Thursday. So we're going to get new updates on what is going on. You've heard some news release uh, that live streaming is allowed. I'd like to clarify it is not allowed just yet. They are piloting it with a few selected churches. All right, And the requirements, and I think what I've read from the detailed um, uh, policies from the government is they're allowing two person. Two person to lead when there's a congregation, not the five that we have usually. So they're only allowing two individuals to be present to lead the live singing aspect of any religious gathering, right? But it's only piloting with 16 different sites across the board, churches, Hindu temples, mosques, Buddhist temples, Taoist temples. So they're still piloting it. We are meeting with them this Thursday and we're going to get new updates and we are praying and I hope that you pray with me that maybe, maybe in November, they open it up to the, all the churches, all the religious organizations. So as of now, 
We are not allowed to do that. And some of you have called me or emailed me and said, hey, didn't the, the news says that we can allow 100 people to gather? Yes and no. Yes, they're allowing 100 to gather at church provided you fulfill the requirements. First of all, the spacing. There must be three meters between where I am right now and the first row of seats. In ASDAQ, we are pushed to, I think it's about three meters right now, and if we do that, the number of seats we have left is at the maximum 30. So because they have to still have one meter of a gap between each person, each person, okay? So the space that we have in ASDAQ, we can only house 30. Even if the government says they're going to allow 250, which is coming soon for some of the bigger churches, like maybe some of the, the, the Sunday churches which have like 5,000 seating capacity, they can only house 250. And so look at our capacity, we can only house about 30 maximum. So we're going to, until they re, um, relax the rules on the distancing, and until maybe probably the vaccine come out, that's the maximum number that we can host. We are thinking and considering if there's enough interest to maybe have two worship services, but that will require a lot of manpower, which again, I'll need your help to make it happen. I'll need your help to make it happen if we're going to move ahead with two services. But all these are rules, and I was still thinking, and on top of that, the Sabbath school rules and all that, I was still considering how it's going to happen. So as you talk to people to register interest, do know that a few things are still in place. First, when they come to church, they cannot come earlier than 15 minutes before the service starts. Okay, so they need to understand that if they are coming for the physical service that we, when we resume, they cannot come here 15 minutes before, uh, anytime before that, because you're not allowed to congregate before that. And when you're in the premise, you're in the premise, you are not allowed, by the government rules, you're not allowed to interact and hang out and hug and eat. No, you're not allowed to do any of that. Third, you have to wear your face mask throughout the service, throughout the service, and fourth, as of now, if you come for the service, do understand that there will be no live singing. If you're coming here, you'll be coming here to watch a video of the songs, like MTV Karaoke, and then you hear me preach. That's the only live thing you really see is me and the presider. The singing element will have to be removed from the live um, gathering. So you will be watching a video even though you are here. Do understand that. Next, you have to leave the premise. Leave the premise immediately after the service ends. You cannot, as some of you have asked, can I hang out after church? No, you're not allowed to for a couple of reasons. First, the government says you have to leave within 15 minutes after the service ends because they don't want people to hang around the premise too long and they're too long in their understandings about an hour and a half maximum for everybody. So you have to leave within 15 minutes of the service ending. And then we have to leave quickly also because the, the Filipino church are coming in. So we don't want any cross-contamination or interaction. So we have to get out before they can come in to prepare for their service. So all these are requirements that you have to understand uh, as part of resuming our physical service. That may change. And I'll let you know after this Thursday's meeting with the MCCY, and I'll let you know what's going on over there. Um, Thompson Chinese Church and Jurong Church are also starting their trial on 
physical service, and Jurong is uh, allowing 50, and Thompson is allowing 50. Even though they have a bigger space, they're only trying 50 for now. Um, they are, they're testing it out to see how it works and uh, whether it's going to work for them. And so we're all trying and testing. We do want to resume as quickly as we can, but we also want to do it in a safe manner and, of course, within the law. Next, right now, again, I'm going to give you some time, maybe a minute, to go and get your elements ready for the communion, which will happen at the end of the service. So if you, are, you have your, your elements prepared in the, in the kitchen or somewhere, get it ready. And I hope some of you were able to, to participate in the foot washing before the service started today. That, you know, that's part of the whole communion service is to remind ourselves to be humble and serve each other and also to participate in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. So I'll give you a minute to do that. Okay, so before I go into my sermon proper, we have a video that's going to show us what happened during our first ever virtual discipleship con- uh, congress. Last year, we were able to meet uh, a thousand over of us in Thompson Chinese Church, and that was an amazing experience. But this year, due to the, the COVID pandemic, we had together virtually, but still, we, we counted almost a thousand of you joined us throughout the three Sabbaths and the workshops, and now we're going to show a little video of summary of interviews of people and what happened during that, that three weeks. This year, Discipleship Congress was very special as it was done online manner. Through the online meeting, I had the opportunity to attend it at any time and any day without limitation. I like the online session very much, you know, because it's video on demand and uh, we can we can look <laughs> at it whenever we forget thoughts or we wanted to draw something. This year's theme was made for more. And to me, the takeaway is really about growing internally and also externally. My takeaway was that I'm going to have more involvement with the teens especially and uh, things that we do has to be intentional and not just left to chance. Efficiency do come up a lot, you know, in sermons, in, you know, Sabbath school discussions. So actually spending some time, uh, you know, in the chapters and really deconstructing what each uh, of the verse means, that was one of the nice takeaways from me. My takeaway message from this Congress is that it is time for me to do God's work instead of hoping other people to do the work. Through this like Discipleship Congress, they didn't mean realize that uh, every one of us can help to disciple everyone. Uh, even though uh, like, we are not perfect like God or like Jesus, but we can still do our part. No? One of the key takeaways from DC 2020 for me was that we ourselves have to make a conscious effort to reach out to others so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. You don't have to be the pastor to do something, or you, know, you don't have to have a high position uh, in the conference or in the union to be um, a disciple. The activity packs that were sent to the kids was very helpful. I think we were just want to thank for whoever that has the idea. Uh, it helps the kids to be occupied and, and then allow people like us parents to, to focus on the session. It is really very um, enriching and it's actually very impressive so there is a range of um, different activities for the children from craft, from colouring, from puzzles and some even more advanced like work for the child to actually learn about God's love. The pictures and the selection of the activities uh, were age appropriate. For my son, he prefers 
the mains, uh, word search. Whereas my daughter, she is more the right brain kind. Uh, she prefers the colouring and the one that is more abstract. What makes it nice for them to do the same thing together is they learn, they learn about the same stories, but maybe they interpret it in a different way. So brother and sister, they are able to engage each other whilst doing the same activity, although the outcome may be different. Lah. As a parent, I think it's uh, very rich in terms of uh, content as well as the context itself. We are thankful for um, those staff that have helped in preparing the material. I learned from the afternoon workshops that God tells us in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 that He gives us many gifts so that we can all come together for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I think Pastor Bayou's session was was great to tell us, okay, uh, you know, you don't you don't you don't really have to worry about those expectations on you or things that you know, even you you're not good so long as you're, you're willing, you know, uh, God will provide it. My favorite moment was the forum sessions by Pastor Fu, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Jia Hong, and Elder Farm at the afternoon. I like the afternoon workshop as the lively discussion was able to bring different perspective of the topic. What I enjoyed more is like uh, every Sabbath, every discipleship session, my my church family, some of the Filipino ministry, uh, because we are limited to five persons only that can uh, visit the house. So every every discipleship session, they they were here last. So it's. It's like um, the watching of discipleship 2020 is more colorful, more special because you got someone to tackle with, and then sharings also. Yeah, that's why I think that's why my favorite. That's my, my that's my favorite moment when your friends are around. After attending the DC 2020, I've decided to sign up for the D group because I want to be awakened from my spiritual sluggishness, and hopefully, I can uh, share some nuggets with the people in my group too. DC 2020 has, in fact, inspired me to join a D group. It's because of this small, close-knit circle that we are able to share things between each other that we normally cannot share with members of our own church and maybe even members of our own family. The testimonials, because these are lived experiences, these are real experiences that people have had, affirmed, um, what I have experienced so far with, with being in, this, uh, in a discipleship group. After three weeks of thinking and consideration, I have decided to join the D group. Through the, the whole DC, I feel more like stronger now. Lor. I feel like I, I can actually do something. Lor. Yeah, then I, I decided to assemble law and just join the D group. This DC is telling us that uh, we need to step up. We need to really hold each other accountable to really reach out actively and to treat it like your mission field. Really go out, uh, make it an intention and pray for it. And, and, and you'll be, be surprised at what God actually can do. So I hope you've benefited from the three Sabbaths of the DC 2020, that you've learned stuff that maybe inspired you or will remind us stuff that you knew, may have forgotten, or just encourage that there are more people who think like you and want to do the work of the ministry. So again, we're reminded that discipleship is not just reserved for the employed workers. It's a, a call for all believers and followers of Jesus. And our lives should be lived in a way that presents the gospel to anybody that we come in contact with. Today, I'm going to go talk about this idea of the communion. 
You know, once every quarter, our, our tradition in Asdaq is we celebrate the communion together. Of course, it's not what the Scripture says that you can only celebrate once a quarter. In fact, the Scripture encourages us to celebrate it daily. But because of how our tradition has been, we celebrate it once a quarter as a reminder of our, what we believe in and who we are as followers of Jesus, as disciples of the kingdom. But, you know, we throw this word around, communion, communion. For those of you who grow up in the church, you may be familiar with the word, but do you really understand what it means? So today I'd like to go into a, a deep dive into the word itself of what communion actually means. You know, um, I, I had my first blood donation experience when I was about 17 years old. It was in the church. Uh, I was a part of the Thompson Chinese Church, and I was in the Thompson Youth Ministry. And so the youth leader went and says, all right, she works in a blood bank, and she says, we need blood. And so she rounded up all the young people who, who are eligible or not eligible, just go check it out, and says, come, we're going to go to my blood bank in NUH, and we're going to donate blood. And that was my first experience. I've never done it before. And I was just like, okay, I, it's really scary. Because you, you just see photos or you think about it. It just feels scary. And so when I got there, um, of course, I didn't go first, right? I let my oldest youth leader go first. I was still young. And then as a guy, you have to step up eventually. Like, all right, James, it's your turn. And I'm like, when I saw the length and the circumference of that needle, I was like, can I, can I back out now? But then I realized that it, as, I, as they injected the, 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 the anesthesia and then they, they poked it in, she was really skillful. I like, I actually didn't feel anything. It was all right. It was all right. It was not painful at all. And, and because of my, maybe my body size or that, I could donate more than an uh, average person. And the whole experience was, was awesome. It was not scary and it became a thing. It became a thing that our youth ministry did, that every three months or six months, we would go and donate blood because you can't donate less, um, like in a lesser period of time. You need time for your body to rejuvenate. And you know, blood donation is an interesting thing. Blood donation is where you're literally giving up a part of who you are, and this who you are will go out and give life to somebody else. The, the, the sacrifice... In fact, you're not losing a lot because your body creates new blood, which is better for your body anyway, that you, by giving up your thing, your blood, which is such an important part of who you are, you can go out and, and bring life to somebody else. It's a service where it actually costs you something that only you can give. Just a little, you know, uh, PSA here, public service announcement. I'd like to share a little bit with you of, of what's going on in Singapore. Singapore especially during this pandemic, we are really lacking blood. We're lacking blood because, uh, you know, a lot of people were in ICU or they're in uh, critical care and they're in the hospital. Um, and before that, before that, we already do not have enough. Yeah, have done enough. I am blood type A+. All right? And I was really sad because of the four groups of blood donors, maybe there's less of us. That's how I try to justify it. There's only about 24% of us who, who like donated. Well, we contribute to about 24% of the blood banks, um, uh, bank, uh, whatever they have stored there. Um, and and that's, that's the fact that we are number three. Right? Number one, I think that's because there's more of them, is blood type O. They are the amazing blood type. They are the generous blood type because they can give to everybody, but they can only take from their own type. Like blood type O people, 
Thank you very much. Unlike blood type A, now blood type A can only give to blood type A, and then we can take from A and O. You know, we're kind of like, yeah, everything from everybody. Um, so blood type A, guys, go and donate more. I know some of you have the really rare blood type. You have the negative blood type. That is like really rare. I know one individual specifically. You need to go donate blood, if not for anybody, but for yourself. Uh, I know there's uh, A minus and B minus. These are really rare type of blood, and uh, not many people are in Singapore because most of them are not uh, Asian descent uh, or they're not uh, uh, Oriental descent. I know there are some from the, the in Indian brothers and sisters. There's a lot of B minus among them. But so if you are the negative blood type, do donate. The blood bank needs you. So just a quick summary of what it is. In 2020. 14 units, 14 units of blood is required every hour in Singapore. It takes about an hour for me to donate about two, right? But in every hour, they need, we need to use up 14. And this was before the pandemic. In the pandemic, it went up to even more. So there's 325 units every day that is needed or 118,750 units in a year that is required. So if you're able-bodied, you, if you, have, you pass all the requirements, go donate blood. Just, just as a PSA here, I think it's really important. I, I do it all the time. Uh, in Singapore, you get a Milo and a biscuit. I don't know where you still get that after you donate blood. Uh, in, a, in Australia, when I donate blood, you get a hamburger. So eh, it's not bad. You get a free, free food, right? But I want to talk about communion today. As I said, I'm going to do a deep dive of the word. Um, and one of the verses I'd like to share with you today is from the scripture reading in Luke 22, verse 19. He says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus said those words, today we take it symbolically, but it was a really serious thing. Because yes, it's a symbol of, of, of Jesus' sacrifice, but this was done before his sacrifice. As Jesus broke the bread, he realized what he means was that his body was going to be broken for all of us. And the key word there is actually not broken, but the key word there was given. And it is given to all of us, that this broken body, this sacrifice, this act of ultimate service was not done for himself, but for you and me. The fact that he chose to break his body was because you and I need it. A little bit like donating blood. We donate blood not because we need it, although there are benefits that God has blessed us with if you donate blood, but ultimately you're making a sacrifice for somebody else who you may not even know who it is. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't die and then had a list where he specified, all right, my death will only bring salvation to these people that I like. Take Judas out. I don't like him. No, he didn't do that. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. In fact, he knew that or his 12 disciples was going to renounce and betray him, Peter included, that he still was willing to choose the path of sacrifice, death on the cross for people who hated him. In the next verse it goes, and likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup 
that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A lot of people look at this verse and say, so Jesus destroyed every covenant before that and established a new covenant with his disciple at that point. I would like to share with you that the word new is more, should be translated renewed covenant. It's not a brand new ideology because God doesn't change. God's agreement, His covenant with His people has always been the same. It is different from a contract that we understand today. A contract is between two people of equal status. I agree to give you this if you give me that. But in the biblical world, a covenant is done by somebody who has more and is giving to somebody who has less and cannot fulfill anything or return anything but accept this act of promise from this person who has more, is more powerful, and can do much more than the person who's receiving it. And so throughout the ages, God has had one and only one covenant where He says, I will establish your faith in me I will make you righteous. I will bring you back into a relationship with me that will result in eternal life with me. But you can do nothing about that except accepting it. So when Jesus says, my blood is broken because you've, you've tried to do it by your own act, you've tried to do it by your own legalistic ways, you've, tried, you've even abandoned it, but by this blood, I'm renewing this covenant with you. I'm reminding you that there is this covenant that you can accept any time. But let's look at the word communion. Communion is a Middle English word that comes from a Latin word, communio. Communio means mutual participation. Mutual participation. When Jesus established the communion, he is saying a very important idea. He's saying that now I am a part of your life and you are now a part of my life. Guys, that's how eternal life works. Eternal life is not a magic spell that God's going to cast on us and all of a sudden our body does not decompose. Eternal life comes to us only by participating with Him who is life itself. Jesus is life. He is like the electricity current that charges your mobile phone to remain charged. You know, I have, a, I have an iPhone 6 Plus that is really old and one of the things that happens to that phone is that it, it, its battery dies uh, very quickly. When I first bought it, because it's this huge little like, stone tablet in my, in my pocket, it can actually last for about three days per charge. Three days per charge with my usage and, of course, with the internet speed, 3G, guys, 3G. We're at 5G now. And at a point where uh, applications don't use as much resources, it can last for three days. But over three years, by the way, I still have it. It's still working. I realized one thing. I will charge it to the full overnight even, and it will last me for about eight hours now. And looking at my other iPad, the old iPad Air, you will reach a point where I know a full charge will only last three hours or two hours. And eventually, like my old, old MacBook and like our church computer, it depends on the battery is useless. It doesn't charge up anymore. You have to be connected to the power supply continuously. You know, that's what eternal life is like. You know, we think that you can go to God, receive some life, 
get God out of our lives and live our life by ourselves, and we use that life up or the blessings up, and then when we run low, we run back to God, we get charged out again and say, see you later, God, don't disturb me for three days. And then you go and you work on your own and then you come back to God. But I tell you, that's not how it works. We are all batteries that no longer work, that no longer holds charge. Every single moment, God is saying, in this new covenant, you have to be connected with me who is life itself. Every moment that you try to live by yourself is by my grace of sustaining your life without you realizing that. But he invites us back into this relationship with him where life itself is a mutual participation in each other. And so to go a little bit further, dive a little further into this word on communio, communio is actually based on the old Latin, which actually would most likely be used in a sense that communis opinio, communis opinio, which is you have a common opinion or a generally accepted understanding. Or in today's word, you, are, you have a mutual understanding of what it means to be in this relationship. When Jesus established the communion, when he broke the bread and he, he, he poured out the cup, he says, what this means is that now your life no longer belongs to you. You belong to me. And I don't belong to myself. I belong to you. There must be this common understanding of what it means in this relationship. It's important. It's like in any relationship between two people, there must be a clear common understanding. Imagine if I, if I go to Tiffany and i like, hey, I didn't explain clearly what my intentions were, and then I thought she agreed to marry me, and I go prepare for the wedding. And then on wedding day, she comes and says, hey, James, what's up? I said, I thought you were supposed to marry me today. I'm like, really? Oh, man, that'd be a bad, bad day. It must be clear. The relationship must be clearly stated. They must explain my intention and she must understand my intention. And Jesus has explained himself clearly. My intention is for you to be a part of me and for me to be a part of you. But a lot of us today likes to remain in this really vague zone in our relationship with Jesus. I'll commit 26.78%. What does that even mean? For God is clear. All or nothing. God has expressed, Jesus has expressed his intention and he, in, he sealed it by his action of dying on the cross. What is your intention? He's expressed his, he's extending his hand of invitation. What is your response? To go even further, the communists go to the Oh, ancient Latin. The word is actually komoinis, which encompasses three key ideas. When you come and have mutual participation, in this common understanding, there's three things that naturally result and happens when you're in communion with somebody. And that's why when we, when we celebrate the communion, we're reminding ourselves that these three things is now a part of our lives. The first, when you celebrate a communion, when you participate in Jesus' act of communion, you're saying you will change. That there's a transformation that happens. Some people believe it's a transformation of the elements itself. I don't think that's what the Bible is saying. But it's clear that there is a transformation when we partake of the elements. Whether it's the magical, whatever, essence of the elements, I don't think so. But I think it's in the act of accepting the elements that the Spirit 
works through the elements and the acts of submission that we are changed. So don't just take communion as a normal, it is all, I really like the communion bread, it tastes really good. But I don't eat it because it tastes good. Of course, you can make it yourself on other days and don't have to be a communion bread. You can eat it anytime you want. But when we participate in it, it's not because of the taste. It's not because of habits. It's not even because of tradition. It's that we are submitting ourselves into a mutual participation in God in understanding we are, we're saying yes to this relationship with God and then we're allowing God when we consume of the elements to be changed by God. And the second key idea in this common noise is that you are sharing. Is to share what you've received with others. Jesus, in his act, he broke the bread, which is the ancient way which I wish we could do by this, you know, pandemic. You don't share bread, all right? You break the bread. There's only one piece of bread. You break it and you pass it on and the person breaks it and you pass it on and you break it. Everything comes from the same loaf of bread. So if you're celebrating the community as a family back home, Try it. In fact, actually, technically, all the communion bread I prepared for those participating today was from the same piece. I just pre-break it because I cannot break it on camera. Right? But it's from the same dough, same flour. I made it last night. It's, it's, it's from the same piece. And that's what God is saying. When we, when we participate in the communion, we are just reminding ourselves that we are now one family. There's no longer you, me, them, they, so communion reminds us as people, as followers of Jesus, that racism, discrimination, like all these things cannot exist in this new kingdom because we are the same. We're all descendants of the old Adam and by participating in a communion, children of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And the final, final principle and aspect of communion is that we will now serve each other. And it's not something that Jesus is asking us to do, but he exemplifies it first. He did the ultimate act of service. And that is dying on the cross to make all this possible for you and me. It is easy. It is easy for those of us who live today 2,500-ish year after Jesus' time that we are at a point where we forget, we forget that during that period of time, not just during his life, but during that period of time, what it means to serve. And that specifically that Jesus did walk this earth, that he was a real person. Even the atheists agree that they can't deny a real person named Jesus lived. But you and I as followers of Jesus, who believe that he's not just a human being, not just a moral teacher, but he is God himself, died so that you and I can participate in his life. I invite you to turn with me back to the scripture as you go to the book of Luke 22, verse 19 to 20. Luke 22, verse 19 to 20. And as I read through, ponder, meditate on the words. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given 
before you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The covenant we have established with Jesus is not established by our own merit or effort, by our own wants or desire, but it's by submitting to God and allowing Him to do His work in our lives. Some of us don't think we're ready for this relationship. But I will tell you that there isn't a point where you'll be good enough for a relationship with Jesus because it's only by being in a relationship with Jesus that you learn what is being good. Some of you think it's not necessary, but the Scripture tells us there's no other option. Either you are in a relationship with Jesus or you're not in a relationship with Jesus. There's no fence that you can sit on. And the Scripture tells us that the choice is up to us. God has done His side of the equation, and He's leaving it to us. He's, he's such a loving God that even though He's died for you, He would not force you to choose Him. And so He leaves it in your hand. And as we celebrate a communion, I'd like to ask for anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior, who's chosen to be in a relationship with Him, who said yes in this mutual participation and have garnered a mutual understanding and you've chosen to share, chosen to serve, chosen to be a part of one another. You are invited to celebrate the communion with all of us today virtually. I'd like to invite all of us to bow our heads as we seek the Lord's blessing on the bread and the cup. Let's pray. Father God, there's no words that can describe how thankful we are for giving us this, this path, this way to be in a relationship with you. And we know that this road was not established by flesh and blood, but by the death of Jesus. That he act in service to all humanity before we even realize our need for it. And we thank you for that. And as we participate in the communion today, as the bread is broken, may you remind us deep in our hearts, may your spirit speak to us. And as we drink of the cup, that this was done so that we can have life eternal in relationship with a loving God who is coming back to bring us home. Bring us hope, joy, and peace. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. And as Jesus said in the scripture, he took bread, he broke it, and then he passed it to those around him. I hope you have had your elements prepared before you. And he says that this cup was poured out for you to establish a new covenant, to renew the covenant I have with you, which is established by his blood. And this cup symbolizes that sacrifice of service. So as we Spend the next few moments to partake of the bread and the cup. Meditate on what Jesus has done for you, but also what he is inviting you to do.